Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. Exodus 16. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in a cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. 
The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the Omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses, and they kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning, as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come, so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, and then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant law so that it might be preserved. The Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. And Omer is one-tenth of an epic. We've been in a series on freedom, looking at the person of Moses and the story of the Israelites as they move out of Egypt, out of slavery, and into a new land. They live this cycle of grumbling, finding God's provision, being delivered, and remembering God's goodness over and over again. And over the last couple of weeks, James has looked at different stories of this cycle. The story of the burning bush the story of water from the rock. And today we come to the story of manna and quail. As author Daniel Siegel knows, the stories that we tell ourselves make a difference. 
Daniel Siegel writes in this book, The Whole-Brained Child, about how retelling stories for children can actually help them to overcome fear and anxiety and frustration. He says, A toddler falls and scrapes an elbow. A kindergartner loses a beloved pet. A fifth grader faces a bully at school. When a child experiences painful, disappointing, or scary moments, it can be overwhelming with big emotions and bodily sensations flooding the right brain. When this happens, we as parents can help bring that left hemisphere into the picture so the child can begin to understand what's happening. One of the best ways to promote this type of integration is to help retell the story of the frightening or painful experience. I've experienced this with my own three-and-a-half-year-old daughter. A while back, I was in a car accident, and she was in the car. And it was an experience that for months afterwards, she wanted to talk about the accident. She'd say, Mama, accident, accident. And she would want to go over the details of who was there, of what I did, of what she did, of what happened afterwards. And we went over and rehearsed this story many, many times before she was able to let those big feelings and emotions go. In this same way, God is a good parent, a good father, and that he bends down low, looks the Israelites in the face, and says, let me help you tell your story again. He does this by offering manna and quail. Just like today is Mother's Day, and many mothers are really good at feeding their families. Some fathers are too. But in my family, my mother knew how to cook and how to set a beautiful table And I remember being away at college and just missing that delicious food and that beautiful table. God here, as mother, sets the table for the Israelites. I love how God responds and gives them meat and bread. God doesn't give them a sermon. He doesn't give them a theory. He doesn't say, Do you remember? I delivered you out of Egypt. Why are you grumbling? He just provides concrete means for their very concrete need of hunger. You see, in the desert, their narrative, their story had started to become twisted. Instead of remembering 400 years of slavery in Egypt, instead of remembering having to make bricks with no straw, instead of remembering servitude and hardship, they start to remember Egypt as a good time and a good place. They say, there we sat around pots of meat and ate to our fill. What are we doing here in the desert? Following you two, starving to death with these inept leaders. What are we doing here? We don't see any signs of God's provision. We don't know if help is on the way. Our memories can do this, can't they? 
It's funny how we can think back to a time in our life with rose-colored glasses. It's like our minds are capable of editing out some of the worst parts, some of the really terrible parts. And we remember fondly things that if we really were to go back to that moment would be much different than how we remember them. We remember the good parts a lot of times of things that happened to us in the past. And in addition, we're living a moment of collective stress, not just in our state of Washington, not just in our nation, but in our entire world. It's a moment that psychologists and mental health professionals are calling a collective trauma. And this moment is filled with real difficulties and urgent needs. Some of us may have lost work in the last two months. Some of us may have started to become depressed from being lonely or anxious and afraid to contact the virus if we go outside of our houses. Some of us may have loved ones or relatives who have been sick and maybe even have died. It's a moment of stress, of difficulty. But the good news that I have to share with you this morning is right here in the middle of Exodus 16. God meets God's people right where they're at, in the midst of their trauma, in the midst of their stress. God provides for his people with concrete means, with meat and with bread that sustains them for the next 40 years. God is with them. And we know, too, that God is with us in the person of Jesus Christ. We learn who God is through Jesus by looking at his life. And Jesus, too, went to the hungry, to the sick, to the depressed, to the forsaken, and befriended them, and met real needs. God is teaching God's people about who they are and who he is in the desert. But this learning, it doesn't come without real difficulties. Some of the Israelites go out and gather more manna than the Lord has instructed them to. They're maybe afraid. What if the man is not there tomorrow? What if I wake up and the supply is gone? I'll just gather a little more now so that just in case I'll have enough. Others of them don't respect the Sabbath regulation and they go out on the Sabbath and they try to gather manna, but they don't find any. Again, they're operating from this scarcity mentality of, if I can just gather a little bit more, then I'll have enough. God wants his people to rest, knowing that he provides for them day after day. He wants them to rest, knowing that they're beloved, that he cherishes them, that he provides for them. He wants them to rest, knowing that he is strong a deliverer, someone who is able to meet their needs day after day. They kept some manna in a jar to tell their children the story. 
to tell the generations to come about how God heard them. God heard their grumbling and responded. In fact, the text even says that Moses didn't even have to go to the Lord and ask. As soon as the people grumbled, the Lord responds to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven. So this bread from heaven was a reminder to them of God's deliverance, of God's provision for them, and that for 40 years they ate day after day, and that their bellies were full. I invite you today to look at your jar and to think about how God has provided for you in the past. What times has God brought you through by giving you bread from heaven? And then if you don't know Jesus yet, I invite you to talk to him, to grumble to him, to pour out your hearts and know that God hears. I invite you to to reach out to the Christian community. If you have real needs like financial needs right now or health needs or mental health needs, I invite you to tell someone who's safe what you're going through to talk to Pastor James, to reach out to this community of Inglewood Presbyterian Church and to allow us to be the body of Christ in this moment. We have an opportunity to live an Exodus 16 moment together where we see God's provision not only for us, but for the neighborhood. There is one story a beautiful story, the most beautiful story about who we are, beloved, cherished, provided for, children, and who God is. At the same time, a perfect father and mother, provider, sustainer, deliverer, one who delights to meet our needs. 